The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome, Chiefs Kingdom, to another edition of the Out of Structure Podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I'm Matt Sagner here with Ron Cobb Jr. On what's getting to be a bad habit and a disappointing Chiefs season, the Chiefs dropped another one last night, and this one in ugly fashion against the Buffalo Bills at home in the rain. Lightning couldn't even delay this game long enough in order for us to uh, enjoy it. 38 to 20 was the, was the outcome. Your Kansas City Chiefs are two and three, and um, we're going to try hard to find some bright sides here, Ron. But but how how you feeling after last night's game? Well, there's not a lot of bright sides. Um, the bright side is getting to talk to you on this lovely Monday morning after a late night, uh, talking to all you guys, all oh, listeners. Sure. Yes, <laughs> that that is the only bright side is is kind of getting to to. Uh, have these discussions right now and 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 talk through this, guys, because that's all you can do, right? You get, all you can do is talk through it after a dismal performance, one of the most embarrassing in the in the Mahomes era, honestly. Um, lat, you know, it's the worst regular season loss in terms of point differential in the Mahomes era. Not a lot of good. Not a lot of good. Uh, definitely reason to be pessimistic. You know, maybe after the first two losses, it's you know, hey, you know, they're they've been close, but you know, they could have won them without turnovers. This game, even though turnovers were a big part of it, they, they just straight up lost. And the Bills were the better team. The Bills look like the better team moving forward. And, and a lot of AFC teams look like the better team moving forward. So, yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. I was going to ask that question, um, and I don't know how everybody else feels about this, but would you rather see your team get blown out and just chalk it up to say that was a bad day, you know, let's let's move on, they got beat, or would you rather see them lose close games like they did against the the Ravens and the Chargers yeah as a fan I think you'd rather have the games where it just kind of decided you don't want to have your heart broken right I mean you know I I think you know I think I could differ between fans but I think it's just nicer when it's just kind of a nice quick easy loss you can kind of start to accept it as the game goes those heartbreakers man you just kind of convince yourself and tell yourself Man, they could they could have won, and so that's why, as like an evaluator, as like an analyst, you kind of like, prefer that game because you can still see how they could win and be a great team. But uh, these kind of games, you know, sometimes it's nicer to just have the band aid ripped off on a loss instead of uh, at the last second getting your heart ripped. It feels like this has been three straight losses. That uh, Philadelphia Eagles game seems like it was a long time ago, but now that they're starting to stack up, this one feels that much worse. If it had been, if this was the loss earlier in the season and they hadn't lost both of those games to the Chargers and the Ravens, then I think I would feel better about this team to just say, hey, everything went wrong for them on this one night. 
chalk it up, you know, to a bad day and move on. But when this comes right on the heels of two relatively close losses where, you know, they, you feel like they should have won. And then it really feels like a losing streak. Now it feels like this is, this is a pattern. Uh, and, and it makes it, it makes it feel that much more hopeless. Exactly. No, it, it feels like three straight losses. And the problem is the losses keep getting worse. You know, that Ravens game, the Chiefs were in perfect position to win. The Chargers game, they put themselves in a little less position to win, but still were in it at the end. This game, it wasn't even close at the end. I mean, this game was decided, you know, with about 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And we'll get into, maybe this is a good transition to our to your first point, but that rough in the passer penalty on Frank Clark was kind of the, the sealer kind of put the dagger in the hearts of Chiefs fans um, with about 10 minutes left. And, and they yeah. went on to score that touchdown to go up 18 points. You know, I think it's a huge cop out to blame the referees for any loss ever. And, I, and I'm not that guy. And I don't want to hear that, you know, argument that the refs cost them the game. But <laughs> that being said, if you look at the flow of this game, the momentum, the shift that where the score was, they were down 11. They had just gotten a big stop three and out. They made the interception, had the ball around midfield, and there was plenty of time left on the clock. Almost the entire fourth quarter was was still available to the Chiefs, down 11 with the ball at midfield. You're feeling pretty good about things. Momentum shifting in the right direction. You know, that's a different ball game than where it ended up. And so this that call was a terrible call. Everybody agrees it was a terrible call. Call it a makeup call. Call it whatever you want to. It was an awful penalty. Uh, Frank Clark did not rough the passer on that play. If you watch closely on the replay, he actually, he had him wrapped up and then he pulls his arms back and almost puts his arms behind his back as they fell to the ground as if to say, Hey, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm falling here, but I, I can't do anything about it. And and so it couldn't have been more obvious to me that it was a, it was a clean play and it totally changed the momentum of this game. So you go from again, ball at midfield, down 11 to giving up an 85-yard, eight-minute, 12-play drive that ended in a touchdown that put it out of reach. I mean, it doesn't get any bigger than that from a, from a shift in momentum. If Maybe they wouldn't have won the game, even if that had gone the Chiefs' way. But if they get the ball back there, they score a touchdown. Now they're down four early in the fourth quarter. We might be talking about this game a lot differently had that one call not going in their direction. Yeah, and I hate to use the makeup call thing, but you're right. I mean, the play before, there was a holding penalty that was pretty iffy on the Bills that actually took away a, a Josh Allen run that went for a first down. And so if, if that is really what it is, that's just, I hate that. You know, I, I don't, you know, you, you should only call a penalty if it's an actual penalty. If you screw up a penalty before, you shouldn't have to make it even by, you know, making another iffy penalty a penalty. So and that wasn't the only time, too. I mean, the Gordon offensive pass interference, you know, Gordon trying to release off the, the line of scrimmage and get into his route. And his hand is his hands were not on, uh, you know, White, who got the who was the one who forced the OPI. Uh, White's hands were inside Gordon, kind of holding on to his shoulder pads a little bit. And Gordon was trying to get out out of it and to get into his route. I get what the ref maybe was seeing because he was, you know, it, from his angle, maybe it did look like Gordon was just basically blocking for Kelsey on that. But. I think I think that was pretty bad too. Uh, yeah, I, I I'm not blaming the rest for the loss or anything, but it just kind of shows you that you know in in these tight games that it happens too. And what else? What also happens in these games is in these losses is you kind of realize what this where this team's at right now. 
And I'll, I'll transition to my next point and the fact that this team just isn't elite right now. We shouldn't consider this team on the top shelf of the NFL right now. And, and I have a hard time saying that, you know, I, I've had a hard time saying that over the last, the, the first four weeks of the season, but they've proven that they're not. I mean, you know, at some point the turnovers are, are part of you. If they keep happening, that's, that's a narrative that's not going away. I mean, that, that's, that's part of what you're doing bad. You know, uh, I love your analogy. You make stags on Twitter and on the pod before the whack-a-mole. I mean, it, it literally, as soon as the offense starts, you know, playing well, the defense is bad. As soon as the defense maybe starts getting some stops, the offense can't do anything and, and gives the ball away themselves. It's just, this team just can't get on the same page altogether. This is not as a whole an elite team right now. And it, it's oh. kind of sad to say. So are you trying to say that expectations were too high coming into the season? Like we shouldn't have expected this team to be elite. Maybe, maybe they weren't as talented as we thought they were. No, I am not trying to say we shouldn't have had expectations. I think we should have had the high expectations were, were, you know, good. I think that was, that's what you want from a Super Bowl contender. This team is an offensive juggernaut. So you, and this is an offensive league right now. So you expect the offense to carry this team. You expect the defense, maybe to just get some stops in certain situations, but not to be perfect. And I think that was plenty, there's plenty of reason to have those expectations. We, they was, those weren't unjustified, but they've proven right now that, you know, as elite as their offense can be, they can't get out of their own way with fumbles and interceptions and, and, and bad, you know, bad turnover worthy plays. And the defense just, they're not getting those big, they're not getting those, making those big plays. They're not making turn, creating turnovers like we've seen from Spags. I made it on, I made a note on Twitter. This is three games straight now that the defense hasn't forced a turnover. In the Spagnolo era, there's only been one other time that they've only gone two games without forcing a turnover. This defense is kind of predicated on those big timely sacks and those big timely interceptions or, or fumble recoveries. And they're not having those this year, as well as they did play in spots against the Bills towards the second half, especially. They're just not making those big plays. And that's really been why this team has just regressed to the point where you can't consider them on the top shelf of the league right now. It's crazy. It's crazy to say resetting expectations already in this season uh it hurts to say out loud i mean it, it is you can see it both ways right this early part of the schedule for the chiefs has been a gauntlet of other good teams but by most measures they they failed in in that test and so if you're measuring yourself against the other top teams in the afc i think it's pretty fair to say they have been bested by most of the best of the afc so far and so uh, that puts them a tier below until they prove otherwise. And the next few games, the schedule eases up a little bit. But, uh, you know, does that prove anything if they win their next four games in a row? Will you be back on board at that point? See, that's that's a great question because I do think that there's a very great chance the Chiefs are 5-3 and three in three weeks after, you know, they're going to be playing Washington on the road, Tennessee on the road, and, uh, you know, New York Giants on Monday Night Football at Arrowhead. Now, look. You know, none of those teams are going to be a walk in the park either. Um, I, I think all three of those teams can give you a little little challenge too. But if this team is still a good team, which, you know, they are. They are still a good team. They're going to beat the, win those games, but we're not going to be proven right about anything. No one should be flipping their mind and saying, okay, this team is elite again because they won those three games. They'll play Dallas at home right after that Giants game, which will be a big test because if this defense – can can get a stop at all against Dallas and, and play a little better against them. That'll you know that's one of the best offenses in the NFL. And then at the same time, Dallas's defense is making plays too. So that's going to be that you know Dallas is is a Super Bowl contender, I, I would say, and that's going to be that next big test. But uh, you know before that, uh, we're we're not going to be proven right about anything these next three weeks. I think this team, even if they win, 
we're st- we still should be you know we still should have tempered expectations right now for the team uh based on this these these this this start this two and three start overall well we've said in the Mahomes era that in every game the Chiefs are going to have the coaching and the quarterback advantage when Mahomes is Mahomes that's true and he covers up a lot of the other problems uh with this team on offense and on defense frankly when Mahomes comes through and saves the day then we don't worry so much about uh, whether or not the defense was was top tier or not. But that was one of my big takeaways from last night is that Mahomes did not look right. I don't know what's going on. Uh, he alluded to it after the game that he had some issues with decision-making. He looked uncomfortable. Um, he looked indecisive. He didn't seem to trust his receivers. He didn't seem to trust the blocking. But what was most disturbing to me last night was I've never seen so many passes from Mahomes that looked bad, that took nosedives into the turf, that were not on target. Um, it was as if he wasn't able to grip the ball. And I, I said something about it on Twitter, and then promptly he uh, uh, throws a throws an interception and fumbles a snap. And and it looked like just he's not – he was not – there was something not right about Mahomes last night. I don't want to speculate on, a, on an injury that may or may not be there, but – Something was definitely off with 15 last night, and this team cannot win. They are not elite if 15 is not elite. Yeah, quick stat for you. Uh, his He had about a 70 passer rating. I, th- I think it was 70.6. That is the second worst passer rating in a game of Mahomes' career. The only uh, stat or the only time it's been worse was actually somehow in a win against Jacksonville at home in 2018, uh, that rainy game. Hey, you know, a rainy game. Maybe, maybe that that's kind of – what it is, uh, it's not a great excuse because we've heard Mahomes yell out uh, he can sling this blank in, every, in anything. And I know snow is maybe a little different than the rain. But, yeah, you know, you're totally right. It started early, too. If you remember the first drive of the game, Kelsey's wide open on the sideline for a huge pass play. And, and Mahomes had time and, and actually had his feet set on that one and just overshot him, which, you know, is just not a great sign, uh, you know, to start the game. You can kind of maybe not uh, put that up to nerves to, to start a huge game at night. Um, but then after that, all the passes, instead of going over receivers, were going at their feet. And, and I think that's a great point. I think there was something up. Uh, his, his feet, his footwork was terrible. I mean, all game. Um, and then when he did step into the pocket, uh, you know, and had a great throw to, to Hill over the middle on a third down on the first drive, Hill drops it. So, and, and, you know, I know we can keep talking about Mahomes, but I'll, I'll use this as a way to talk about my next talking point as well is that I don't think I've ever seen this offense as out of sync as it has been when everyone's healthy. We've had bad games in the Mahomes era before on the offensive side of the ball, but it's always been this excuse like, okay, Hill's out, you know, and they have, you know, and Watkins went out early, uh, that Colts game in 2019. Uh, you know, Kelsey's never missed games, but, you know, maybe they've, missed, they've been missing offensive linemen or running backs. This team has everybody. This offense has everybody on the field right now, everyone that they, they need to have on the field right now. And it just looked bad all night. I mean, they, they really – the offense just really could not get anything going. Even when they did have their touchdown drives, it was very hard. I mean, it was methodical. It was not an easy – they relied on some penalties, actually. Some defensive penalties kind of helped them out in times. Um, yeah, I, that whole offense performance was really discouraging. And, and like I said, with everyone healthy, it's just it's, – it's crazy. It, it is crazy to hear that – see that everyone healthy, the offense looking that bad. And I know Buffalo's defense is good, but – that's just no excuse. This offense should be able to take advantage of any defense, no matter who it is. Yeah, I mean, over the last few weeks, we were, we were just talking about how efficient and how historically efficient this offense had been, how they're all of a sudden a force running the football, 
200 yards rushing, 100-yard games back-to-back for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. They they seem to be on a path to being this uber-efficient, you know, machine where if the defense takes away the deep throws, they're connecting on the short plays, or if the defense is, is focusing on the pass, they're able to run the ball, and then whenever the defense tries to step up and stop the run, then you get your shot downfield. I didn't see any of that last night. I'm wondering where the efficiency was. Where was the run game? Where was the efficiency? Where was the, you know, taking advantage of what the defense gave them? Because Buffalo dared them to run the ball. They, they, they had a very specific strategy, it looked like, in this game, which was to physically manhandle and beat up Kelsey and Hill to the point that, that they were mostly ineffective. Let anybody else who wants to catch the ball catch it and then just swarm tackle them. But, but also just to not respect the run game that much. And the Chiefs basically responded by trying to force the ball to Kelsey and Hill occasionally, settling for a bunch of check downs and short passes to players that had uh, very little chance of running after the catch and completely abandoning the run game. So I don't know what the offensive strategy there was or, or where the efficiency that we saw the last few weeks went. Yeah, the run game, they abandoned pretty quickly. And that's very discouraging. Um, to see, you know, maybe that's a game plan thing. Maybe that's Andy kind of panicking kind of early and, and thinking needs to, you know, Mahomes, I think, had the most attempts in his career. I could be wrong. Maybe he was the second. Um, I saw someone. He was creeping up to that point at, at later in the game. But the, it, it's just the run blocking has been so dominant the last two weeks. And the Bills have a good defensive line, but so do the Eagles. And 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 so do, and and you know, maybe the Bills have better linebackers than the Eagles, and maybe that's where the difference is. But to not to, to have a defense invite you to run your run blocking being good. And that's also a, a good way for the linemen to, to get a break. And, and when they've had some pass protection issues in this game, you know, run blocking is a way to kind of, you know, turn off their brain, you know, give them a little bit of a rest almost, uh, you know, in theory and just have them block somebody without really thinking about, you know, uh, you know, the pass protection or, or that, that kind of thing. Cause that can't help a lineman to kind of just turn off his brain for a second and just try to dominate a dude. They just didn't do that. They, they relied on their offensive tackles to, to protect a lot tonight or last night. And, you know, they didn't have the greatest game. I don't think uh, Brown or Niang had a, had a great game. Niang just seems to keep having this issue with, with his pass set. He does not get deep enough. Um, and I know Mahomes has had issues with dropping too far in the pocket, but I don't think that was the issue last night. I think a couple times when he got pressured from the edge, he was only eight yards and, you know, in his drop, which is not far at all. You know, tens where it kind of gets far, but yeah, I, this offensive line didn't have its greatest game, but I also think the offense didn't give them opportunities to run the ball a lot and, and they weren't effective in their runs, no doubt. But I just think you got to keep hammering that uh, maybe, especially with Matt Milano being out and the defensive secondary, you know, the bill secondary being as good as it is. Man, I, I was just I was discouraged about how little they run. The Chiefs running backs ended up with twelve rushing attempts for forty yards, and the longest rush was nine. So that that's just unacceptable uh, against. The, and and you're gonna see this defense keep going. You know, you're gonna see this every week. This these are this is what the NFL is gonna do against the Chiefs now is play these soft coverages, these deep coverages, and allow you to run. And for whatever reason, this game the Chiefs just didn't want to take advantage of it like they had against the Chargers and the Bills. Whew. Well. While we're on the, uh, the the fun, positive takeaways from this game, uh, we've got to get to everybody's favorite topic and talk about uh, number 49 on the defense. Uh, Dan Sorensen didn't have his best game yesterday, Ron. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it up to our lead analyst here to give us his, his detailed breakdown uh, uh, to let us know if I'm off on that. But uh, didn't, it didn't appear to me that Dan Sorensen had a good game yesterday. 
Yeah, we love to use the line that, you know, hey, we're not the, we're not on the sideline. We don't know what the responsibilities are, the coverage issues, are, you know, or the, uh, you know, the coverage responsibilities are, you know, everyone's role. It was pretty obvious that, that Sorensen was it was him that was messing up on those plays. You know, it's not like you can say, oh, you know, someone else should have been there to help or, or yada, yada. It was not the case. Now, first of all, we know Sorensen's going to miss some tackles. He had two really bad ones last night, both. You know, we're at the line of scrimmage, ended up being either a first down or like a nine-yard run to set up a third and one instead of making it a third and ten if he would have made the tackle. And secondly, which which is the more obvious points, was his coverage lapses. That first big pass to Diggs down the middle of the field, he's in a he's in a deep half, and he, and he and he's the deep defender. And the Bills did run a really good offensive uh, route combination to take advantage of of the deep halves um, on the backside of the play. They had a dig that occupied Thornhill's deep half. He had to come up, so that left his deep half behind Thornhill wide open. So Diggs could have just kept running away from Sorensen. He had plenty of room, but the, the reason he was so open is because he faked out and then came back in. Sorensen bit really hard on the, on the, the out fake. And that's something where if you're that deep safety and you have, you're going to have help. Uh, it was actually quarters. So the cornerback on that side was getting deep to kind of take away the Diggs route as well. You need to be more conservative and reacting to route cuts. You need to stay on top of it instead of, he was flying in like he's about to do a pass breakup on the out route, which obviously Diggs just, you know, easily went back in. He was wide open. And so Sorensen just needs to play more conservative in that case. But then on the the pass play to Knox for a touchdown towards the end of the half, I have a bunch of problems with that because Sorensen appeared to be in man coverage. You're covering Knox, you know, that's your only guy. And when you're in man coverage, as long as I've known football, you are taught to only think about your man, really. I mean, you really shouldn't be looking back at the quarterback at all. I mean, honestly, especially if you're, you know, deep down the field, because looking away for one second could allow that receiver to get away and get open. And that's exactly what happened. He turns around, acts like maybe, you know, hey, maybe Allen already threw the ball. You know, he it looked like he was kind of lost. All of a sudden, Knox gets behind him especially with a quarterback like Allen. And you'd think a guy that practices against Mahomes would know that the play is never over. He kind of looked like the play was maybe over for him. Let's Knox get behind him. That's a huge touchdown, huge momentum shift at the end of the half. Yeah, Sorensen, I think if that's not the the nail in the coffin for him as a starter and, and to give Thornhill more time, I don't know what will be because even if Thornhill makes similar mistakes, at least you're getting a guy that's younger, a guy that could develop uh, those mistakes. Sorensen's just this older guy that's not as good as he used to be. And, you know, trotting him out there every snap is not doing you any good anymore. It's just really not. I, I just can't. 100% of the snaps last night, I can't fathom that stack. That really. Yeah, I, as much as I hate to just call out individual players, I, I don't like doing that either because, again, like you said, we don't necessarily know all the assignments. We don't know what the defense, the scheme was, where Sorensen was exactly supposed to be. But you can go back and rewatch. It was, as we started to do a little bit this morning, it's, it's pretty clear that, you know, Sorensen's missed tackles. He's guessing wrong. In the past game, he's guessing wrong at the line of scrimmage when trying to trying to do his run fits. You know, it, there's there's mistake after mistake after mistake, and it, it is it's pretty glaring at this point. It's pretty hard to argue with. Um, there's a there's an athleticism issue sometimes. You know, he's so is the bigger problem Sorensen, or is the bigger problem that he's in a position to make those plays in the first place? Like, is he the fact that he's on the field? in that spot in the first place at this point, are, are you ready to start blaming the coaches? I think the coaches have to take some blame, right? Cause I, I do want to shout out Spags. I think his aggressiveness in the second half got some of those stop, stops. The defense got 
three stops in a row and would have had a fourth without the roughing the passer penalty. They got the stops that they needed and, and put the offense back in position to get back in this game. But, and so Spags deserves credit for that, but allowing your defense to keep getting beat because you have a player that you insist on playing every snap when he's been the one getting picked on and he constantly gets picked on. This is not a new thing. Teams pick on Sorensen in coverage whenever they can. And it really came back to bite him, uh, you know, last night. And so I think, I think that's where Spags deserves a little, you know, a little, a little hate. I mean, honestly, I, I, I think five games into the season, I think at this point you had to have known that this is an issue and he just keeps continuing to try him out there. And if he continues to, that's on Spags. And I know it says something about Thornhill maybe too, that he's not proven it, I guess, to the coaching staff. But at some point you got to make Thornhill prove it in a game setting by playing him 100% of the snaps like you're playing Sorensen. Let him make those mistakes. Then we can get off your back and say, okay, maybe they just don't have any good safeties right now besides Tyron Matthews. Yeah, it, yeah it's, let, let them fail faster and in a more athletic way if, they, if they're going right. to fail anyway, right? And, um, you know, obviously – in the past, whenever we've talked about Sorensen, it's always this mixed bag of he'll get picked on in the past game, but he'll make a big stop in the run game, or he'll he'll give up a big play, and then all of a sudden he makes a game-saving interception, and 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 that's been his legacy in Kansas City. Um, so it's not been all bad historically for for Sorensen. I don't know what specifically the issue is right now with him. Something's not right about the secondary and how they're meshing, and, and maybe he's expecting you know, uh, more help from the corners or, or something, something unusual or, you know, something that we're not seeing uh, he's anticipating. But, but right now I threw out my, my easy fix on Twitter last night. Uh, let's just blitz Sorensen on every single play. Never has to be in coverage, never has to make a decision, never has to chase anybody. Just, just send him. They're going to blitz anyway. Spagnuolo is going to be aggressive in, in blitzing defensive backs. It worked last night. Uh, the the most effective plays from Sorensen were a pair of blitzes, I think that where he uh, he, he really affected the the quarterback. So let, let's just make him the all time blitzer and then figure it out <laughs> at the end of the season. Yeah, no, all of his good plays this year, I, I feel like I've been on blitzes. You know, the Lamar Jackson sack, if you remember, you know that that was a blitz too. Um, but there just haven't been a lot of good plays. Oh, uh, you know, hey, he tripped up May- Mayfield week one, so there you go. You know, that's just all time blitzer. I love that. Yeah. I'm- um, Obviously, I'm half kidding there. You know, that's not really a, a thing that you can do, but I don't know. I, you know I, I, that's there a is a good idea. <laughs> there's something to be said for putting players in the position to do only what they do best and, and hide them where, where their deficiencies are. Um, I'm not sure why they haven't been able to do that with Sorensen, but, uh, but they haven't. And, and it's, it's costing them games. So, you know, we could go on all day about what's wrong with this team or what happened last night specifically Ron and I thought we'd have a little bit of fun today uh if you remember in the preseason before all of this started back in simpler times when we had high expectations for this team the most talented roster coming into the season that we've ever seen the depth on this roster the young players stepping up you know we had all this fun stuff to talk about uh and and Ron and I went out and did a draft and we drafted our best are our favorite barbecue items from each Kansas City barbecue location. And we had some fun with that, and so we thought we'd do a much less fun version of that now. We'll call it the Doomsday Draft. We're going to go seven rounds and try to figure out who can put together the best list of problems or the best worst list of Chiefs uh, items so far this year. 
we we did a a very scientific method and and drew for the the first pick, uh, which is going to be me, and we're going to talk about what has gone wrong this this year. Uh, each of us again, we're going to go uh, back to you know alternating picks and see who can put together the best roster of problems. What are you, you ready for that, Ron? Yeah, no, let's let's draft guys, uh, listeners. We're probably going to have this, uh, you know, in some sort of poll on Twitter. So make sure after you listen, we'll make sure we have a poll for you to vote on which of us has the best list of worst things about the Chiefs <laughs> this year. <laughs> All right. So with the first pick, uh, I'm going with Mahomes turnovers because he is Mahomes is the one factor on this team you can always count on. He's the one thing that I mentioned before that just erases other bad plays. What do you do when it's Mahomes that's making the bad play? When it's Mahomes that's the problem, I don't know that there's a solution. So I can't imagine anything worse on this team than Mahomes making turnovers. So that's my number one pick. That's a that's a good number one pick because if your best player is putting the ball in harm's way and 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 you know giving the possession to the the other team when the defense is already not very good, I mean that's that's crucial and that's been the reason why this team's lost at least two of their games. Uh, this the Buffalo game does not count because I don't think the turnovers were uh, you know as prevalent even though they were bad. So yeah, I, I'd say that's a great number one pick, but. I'm going to go on the other side of the ball. Wait, wait, hold on. Did you just say the Buffalo game doesn't count for Mahomes and turnovers? Well, I just meant it wasn't as impactful <laughs> as the game. No, I, I, I'm, uh, you know, uh, that's one of the things I looked at from last night's game. They had, he had two interceptions and a fumble. I mean, this, this was a, this was a Mahomes turnover game. Yeah, there was other stuff that went wrong, but if, if those turnovers by Mahomes turn into, uh, you know, turn into to positive plays, there's a very, very different outcome on this. Yeah, it's just the turnover necessarily, you know, Tyreek drops one and it goes into the safety's hands for a pick six. You know, uh, we didn't talk about it, but that second interception in the red zone, you know, Lucas Niang probably should have done a better job of blocking Russo and, and getting his hands down so he can't tip the ball up on that throw because it was a quick pass. And and we saw Niang cut, cut him earlier and actually led to a good play. Uh, you need to do that because it was a quick pass to that side. And, and Niang just kind of allows him to to jump up, get his hands up, and that's what that pick happened. So yeah, no, I'll, I'll buy that. I'll I think you know we talked about that. There's there's certainly some blame to be placed elsewhere for a lot of the turnovers that Mahomes has had. So I'm not I'm not saying Mahomes is the number one problem on this team. I'm saying the turnovers, uh, you know, from Mahomes uh, is is arguably the number one problem because they've they're now leading the league in turnovers. Um, lost with 11 uh, tied with Jacksonville, I think. So that's a dubious honor right there. <laughs> Jesus. And Mahomes has, you know, as many interceptions this year as he had all of last year already. I mean, this is a, this is turning into a, a pattern and a problem. And, and it is the one problem they can't overcome. If, if Mahomes isn't the guy overcoming the other issues that they've got nothing. Well, yeah. And, and, and that was why I agreed with your, you know, your pick is because yeah, if, if your best player is the one making the game changing crucial mistakes, and even like, like we said, even if it's not necessarily on him, if the ball is coming out of his hands and turning into a turnover, you know, it goes into his box score. And so just the general turnovers of his has been a huge problem, but I'm gonna go on the other side of the ball for pick number two in this draft. And it's gotta be the pass rush. I, I think the pass rush unit in general has just been bad. And, and I, and, and I've been waffling back and forth, like, okay, is it more the coverage mistakes? Is it more? No, I, I I think when you talk about the expectations of this defense, the coverage has always been, you know, eh. 
you know, they, they put average players in the secondary. Sometimes they blow coverage. That happens. I was expecting this defensive line to dominate games. I was expecting this defensive line to take over games with Jaron Reed as a force inside. And, and Chris Jones, I know he didn't play last night, but Chris Jones being defensive player of the year worthy. And then the depth guys, and Dana has been good. Mike Dana has been a good player. Still, I think his, his all his good plays just come on him hustling and not necessarily him making these spectacular individual plays. Um, this defensive line needs to be better, and the run defense hasn't been awful overall, so I'm going to pin it on the pass rush. They need to have more pass rush production. Where is Tershawn Wharton? Dude looked like one of the best pass rushers from the inside of any young player in the NFL last year. And this year, I don't remember one time, you know, maybe I think Chargers game he maybe had one, but I don't remember one time he's made an impactful pass rush snap. So it's, it's, been, it's, it's been very disappointing, and that's why I think they're the number one reason on my board uh, yeah, that they are. That's a good point. You know, I, when you first said that, I kind of hesitated a little bit. I'm like, oh, that, that definitely wasn't the next player or the next issue on my board. Uh, this, is, this is probably the sixth issue that I have listed in, in my extensive research that I did prior to this draft. But <laughs> you're right, though. This, this, we expected a dominant defensive line. We expected Jones, Clark, and Reed to play off each other, to feed off each other. Uh, Warden, you know, to provide a spark I- inside. And, and almost none of that's happened. Now, yeah, there's been injuries. Uh, the only guy that's been fully healthy that entire time of that first three is, is, is uh, uh, sorry, Jaron Reed, and he hasn't been as effective. I will argue that Jaron Reed made a couple of decent plays last night. Uh, he, was, he was inches away from a couple of, of game changers last night, but not good enough. I just saw a stat that said that Frank Clark had five pressures last night, uh, and nobody else on the defense had more than one. And so you get Frank Clark back on the field, which is great. He gets a little bit of pressure, but at the same time, Jones is on the sideline and nobody else does anything uh, to get after the quarterback. Josh Allen had all the time that he needed and, and the pass rush was definitely an issue last night. And frankly, it, it has been an issue all season. So um, I think you're right when you come to the, what the Spagnolo defense is predicated upon. It's, it's pressure. It's unpredictable pressure. And it's uh, making, you know, turnovers and game-changing plays. And this defense has had none of that. And you can trace a lot of that failure back to the pass rush. Yeah, and, it, and it's hurt the coverage. Because um, I think there is an argument to say, hey, is the coverage the, the, the worst thing that's not helping the pass rush? Or is it the other way around? And for a while, I was actually maybe on the side that the coverage has been so bad that it's not even allowing the pass rush to develop. But I think, I think I'm flipping that because it does seem like quarterbacks have had all day against this team all year um you know only in spurts when they blitz are they getting pressure and that's just not a good sign like we said the defensive line had high expectations they're one of the least effective pass rush units in the entire nfl all right well it's time for the third pick in the draft uh we'll take a break after the first two rounds and and uh, let our sponsors weigh in but for now i'm up with the third pick i'm gonna go with the aforementioned dan Sorensen as the third biggest issue uh, for this team so far this year, you know, it, again, you hate to call out one player, um, but it's been pretty glaring on a week in week out basis that he either he's not in the right position to do what he does best, or he's just not playing up to his expectation. I would say uh, it's probably both. And, and that's a problem that the, the team needs to address in one way or another. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you there. Uh, I Sorensen was my number three on the board too, so there you go. Uh, you know, we were on the same page there. We already talked about Dirty Dan enough, so we can. I'll just go ahead to my next pick here. 
And I know it's similar to yours uh, first pick, but I think it is different. I think the team's general ball security has been a huge problem this year because it's one of those things where you say, hey, it's correctable. You know, fumbles happen. You know, you know, it's going to happen. Maybe there's a bad game one week. That's going to correct itself. You know, you're not going to for whatever reason, this team does not like holding on to the ball. Byron Pringle has fumbled two kickoffs in a row, uh, you know, this week and last week. Tyreek Hills fumbled a crucial fumble. Clyde has two fumbles. You know, uh, obviously the drops count, in my opinion, as ball security. Tyreek had a couple bad drops against Buffalo. We've seen bad drops from the secondary receivers this year. Pringle had a pretty bad drop game against the Chargers. Uh, You know, it's just all ball security has just been awful. And they're giving the ball away. And in more ways than just one, more ways than just, hey, Mahomes has a bad throw, you know, maybe a seldom fumble. They're giving the ball away in every aspect of the game you could imagine. And that's it's it's at some point you think it's going to be correctable. But this is a part of this team now. It's part of the narrative right now that they have terrible ball security. And I think they've earned it because it's not improving. It's just not improving at all. And I don't I don't want to hear about a rain excuse because that's an awful excuse for. This has been this has gone on way longer than just last night, and so I think ball security has been a huge issue, and it's going to continue to be an issue. They need to correct it, and and I need to see it happen. There's a motivational quote that says, "You are what you repeatedly do," and and I think you know the the Chiefs are who they are at this point. They're they're the team that turns the ball over more than anybody else in the league, and and you're right. It's been in all phases. That fumble last night by Pringle on the on the kick return was just was just brutal to see the ball just flying up in the air like that. Um, you know, to go along with a fumbled snap and, a, and a, an interception that was a drop and an interception that was a uh, that was a bad block. So I mean, you've got you've, you you kind of hit the whole bingo card of ways to turn the ball over, uh, even just in one game alone, if not the the rest of the season. So, well, as much fun as this has been, bagging on <laughs> all the things wrong with this team, we're all not even halfway through our draft, uh, but we're, we're probably halfway through our pod. So let's go ahead and do a break. Let our uh, we'll hear from our sponsors. Thanks for hanging in with us on this uh, cathartic um, losing streak edition of the Out of Structure podcast. We'll be right back with more of the Doomsday Draft, and finally, we're going to end with the bright side. I'm going to end this thing on a positive note. We're going to come up with some stuff uh, to to look on the bright side right after this. Stick with us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. Thanks for hanging with us on the Out of Structure podcast here on the Airhead Pride podcast network. We're going through what we call our doomsday draft. Ron Kopp Jr., Matt Stagner here drafting the worst of the Chiefs this year in the, in the doomsday draft. Uh, we're into the third round now. We've gone through... 
Um, I've got Mahomes turnovers and Dan Sorensen. Ron has the pass rush and the general ball security of the team. Uh, we're on to the next issue, uh, would be the fifth pick in the draft. I'm going to go with the inability to stop a running quarterback. This has been one of those things that, again, when it happens once, maybe it's a fluke and a, and a great player. So when you see when you see Lamar Jackson run against your team and rack up 100 yards, maybe you chalk it up and say, hey, that's Lamar being Lamar. He's an elite player for that reason. But then you see it again with Jalen Hurts. You see it again with Josh Allen. Teams now know that the Chiefs cannot account for a quarterback that can run the ball, and they're starting to design plays to take advantage of that. I, I mentioned this in previous pods when we talked about the run defense. I argued that the run defense overall hasn't been bad because they've stopped running backs, but they've yet to stop a quarterback that can run the football. And I'm not quite sure what the solution is other than what seems to be the most far-fetched possible answer, apparently, which would be to get Dorian O'Daniel on the field and let him be a spy on the quarterback. He's done it in the past. He's been effective. He seems to lay big hits when he's when he's in the game in, in the three snaps a year that he gets on defense. I don't know that that's the answer uh, or if there is an easy answer, but they've got to figure out how to slow down and punish opposing quarterbacks when they feel like they can just gash the Chiefs, not just on a sneak or on a, some rollout, but right up the middle. Uh, it's really, really brutal to sit and watch a, a quarterback take off on a design run play, knowing that the Chiefs are not going to stop them and they're going to get 10 or more yards nearly every time they touch the ball. Yeah, and and the Bills were not using Josh Allen in a in a design run capacity a lot of this season, and and maybe they didn't have to because hey, they were playing very bad team, not very competitive games where you don't no reason to put your quarterback out uh, to to get hit like that. But they 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 put in some run plays over the over the week, I guess. They put in some Josh Allen run plays. They used them on that first drive to to score the touchdown. Josh Allen had a you know had a read play that he ran in for a touchdown. Yeah, this this defense just struggles to tackle. In general, I, I think that that's one reason, and and that translates to trying to tackle quarterbacks. Where Jackson and Hurts are, are pretty quick, pretty fast. Allen is just a beast, and you're going to have to really have some strong, sound tackling to get him to the ground. And we just didn't see it, so that that was not a good sign, uh, no doubt. But I'll move on to pick number six, number six in the draft. You know, I, I'm, I'm choosing between a couple, but I, you know, I'm going to have to go with. The pass coverage, the secondary. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just say, I'll, I'll specify it a little more. I'll say the cornerbacks. We saw some bright spots from Fenton last night. We, we really did. Fenton, Fenton played well. We'll get to that. But this cornerback group in general, and I think it's a big picture thing because Veach's only moves at the position this offseason. We're bringing in Mike Hughes and DeAndre Baker, which Baker was on the team last year, so you may not even be able to count that as an offseason move. That's just. We, we knew, I think everyone kind of knew that just maybe probably wasn't good enough, but we maybe just trusted Veach. Hey, you know, we, we've won with la- lack of an investment in the cornerback position these last few years. I just, I've always had a problem with it, and it's really starting to catch up in my opinion. Now, hey, Traverius Ward's been out. I don't think he's he's changing much. I don't think Traverius Ward is a is a, a game-changing cornerback. I think he's just solid, and, and hey, he probably is doing better than what Hughes and Baker have showed us. Baker only played one snap last night, by the way, so that tells you what they think about him. Um, I just, from a big picture perspective, I think this cornerback group is is not invested in enough. And and if your big move is going to be trading for Mike Hughes, who obviously failed in Minnesota, and you're kind of maybe seeing why, because he makes plays sometimes, but for the most part, he can't cover anybody. 
and he's had a really hard time these last three weeks covering. Hey, but they've been some good receivers, but it's still not a great excuse. And so I'm going to say the cornerback room has has been a big reason. And the pass rush may, you know, like I said, like I said before, the pass rush has not been great, and and is probably not helping the cornerback group. But I also think that there's some blame to go to the cornerback group as well. These quarterbacks are getting rid of the ball quickly because there is no one, you know, resisting a, 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 a pass in the secondary. The passes are getting there and the receivers are getting open. Yeah, I had some hopes for this room earlier in the, in the offseason because I do think that DeAndre Baker can play. And I think Mike Hughes, you know, has some ability. Uh, but you're right. It hasn't come together. I actually do think that missing Trevor's Ward might be a, a more substantial item than than we've thought and it's not necessarily that Ward is some lockdown, you know, number one corner because he's not. Um, but with him on the outside, that's one position they don't really have to worry about. And he sort of does he does what he does there. He's a physical player. Um, he can battle with bigger receivers. He can battle with tight ends sometimes. Um, and he is who he is. And they and they've got that reliable piece, which allows other players who are smaller. Uh, who you know to play inside more and and to be in, in more of a rotation instead of relying on Mike Hughes as a full time outside corner, for example. Now last night they had Fenton back, and I think that helped. Fenton played a pretty good game, um, so I think they've got some depth there. I'm a little bit uh, I'm a little bit disappointed in Sneed so far this year, and it sounds strange to say out loud because he hasn't been bad, uh, but he hasn't made a lot of game-changing plays yet uh, at all. And I think Snead has been a – he's an effective player. You know, he got beat last night on one of the touchdowns. Um, he also had a tackle for a loss. So, I mean, he's he's doing some good things here and there. But, you know, I haven't seen the interception from Snead yet, right? Um, haven't seen, you know, the the sacks that, that we know that he can do on, on a blitz uh, in the same way uh, or the same rate that we saw last year. Well, we thought coming into the season is we had one elite, you know, level corner, uh, one solid guy in Ward, and then a bunch of lottery tickets with with Baker and Hughes, and that that puts together a pretty decent room. If all of a sudden Snead is more of an average corner, Ward has been missing, then you're relying on those lottery tickets, and all of a sudden the whole room looks bad. So it might be a little bit of a chain reaction there, if that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I didn't mention Snead, but that's another reason why I'm picking this position because he's not been a game changer. If anything, hey, he's had some good coverage on plays, but he's gotten beat, man. He, he has. I, you know, Keenan Allen, you know, did him pretty good. I will say he had good coverage on some of those Keenan Allen passes. Keenan Allen's just that good and, and made the catches. But, you know, Sanders got behind him, uh, uh, you know, last night against the Bills. And Snead, you know, has some pretty good front coverage. He was kind of fronting the receiver. And if the ball was underthrown at all, it's a pick. But that's a really risky strategy against a guy like Josh Allen, a guy like Mahomes, um, you know, those kind of athletes that can throw the ball wherever they want to. And Allen had a perfect throw to the back, you know, uh, the outside shoulder of Sanders right over Snead. And it was a touchdown. So Snead hasn't been impressive enough for me to lift the rest of the room. And that's why I still think this cornerback room has just not been invested enough. And I think that needs to be a change. I think you know, hey, instead of using a, a pick on either Nick Bolton or, or Creed Humphrey this year, which, you know, hey, they've, they've that's a whole other story, but why not think about corner a little more in one of those spots? It would have been nice to get a, a top 60 pick at corner. I'll let you go ahead for your next pick. All right. With the seventh pick in the Doomsday Draft, I'm going to go with injuries. And, and this may feel like a cop-out to some people because uh, you actually just talked about the fact that the offense has been pretty healthy. Uh, but I think the injuries are starting to catch up to them. And they've been key, 
uh, in certain ways. So Frank Clark obviously has been hampered when he's been in the game and missed a lot of time already this season. He's coming back now, and Chris Jones is out. Uh, Traverius Ward's been out. Willie Gay's been out. And now, all of a sudden, after last night's game, now you've got Joe Tooney with a broken hand, who, by the way, broke that hand early in the game, put a cast on it, and didn't miss the rest of the game, stayed in the whole game. Uh, I, I don't know how you do that, but uh, I don't know that if he's going to miss some time. Based on what we saw from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's injury, I, I've got to anticipate he's going to miss some substantial time. I hope it's not season-ending, but well, that was my first thought, is that it, it sort of looked like something that could be. Um, you know, Travis Kelsey was banged up. Tyreek Hill was banged up. You don't know how long uh, they can go without um, or how much how much how they can make up for the injuries that they're that are starting to pile up. And and so I think the injuries have been an issue uh, and they're going to continue to be an issue. And probably right now might be one of the worst. Uh, they might be peaking uh, in, in how bad uh, this team is banged up and they're missing some of these guys. So. You know, we just talked about how the the cornerback room is missing Ward. I think the pass rush is desperately missing uh, the fact that having Chris Jones and uh, Frank Clark healthy at the same time. I think those are massive factors on defense. I think Willie Gay is going to be a difference maker. The fact that he missed the the first you know four games of the season does does mean something. It does make a difference. And now going forward, you're missing some key pieces on offense. Uh, hopefully, Tyreek Hill doesn't miss any time, but. Whenever you see knee injury on the injury report, it, it makes you worry. So injuries are starting to pile up. Injuries always happen, uh, but I, I think they've been a factor in, in the team's struggles so far. Yep, I totally agree. No, the injuries are kind of they're they're kind of spotty. They're not coming like one at a, or you know all of them at the same time. They're kind of coming one at a time. Where you know uh, Clark was missing the first few weeks, and now Jones is missing while Clark comes back, and and you know. Um, there's a lot of that kind of situation, but I'll go ahead to the next pick. My fourth overall pick, the eighth pick in the draft. I'm going to go with the pass protection as a whole. And not. I, I'm going to make sure I, I make this correct is that I'm not just talking about the offensive line. I'm talking about the unit in general, and that includes Mahomes. Mahomes has not helped out his pass protection a lot this year, and you kind of saw it in that Buffalo game. He's just very uneasy in the pocket a lot of the times. I feel like it comes in stretches. It, it's like these bursts where all of a sudden – you see, like, in a, in a half, Mahomes is just really good in the pocket. He stands in there and plays really well. I think the Chargers' second half is a good example of that um, after a, a pretty bad first half in terms of, of of hanging in the pocket. But the Bills game was kind of the whole game. He just was very uneasy. We've already talked about it. And it's a recurring problem. It's something that he just doesn't seem to be able to get corrected, and it might just be kind of still getting accustomed to his new offensive line. But it also doesn't help that, you know, Niang hasn't been great uh, uh, dealing with speed rushes. Uh, we've kind of talked about the pass depth, or I mean the depth he gets in his pass set. Um, it, it, we saw Josh Sweat last week. You know, he got the sack on it. Uh, there was also another sack this week. I can't remember who the player was, but uh, Niang let him in there around the edge pretty good. And Brown hasn't been perfect in pass protection either. Uh, you know, against Philly, he, he actually uh, let the in, the defensive end get an inside move on him, and that caused the interception against the Eagles. But so I think the pass protection in general just hasn't been that great. And and I'm talking about Mahomes including that too. Mahomes deserves some fault for, you know, great quarterbacks should maybe kind of take advantage or, you know, uh, boost their, their offensive line's pass protection by, you know, maneuvering the pocket really well and kind of avoiding, you know, little tiny rushes while still being ready to throw at any time. Mahomes just still seems to kind of panic a little too quick and kind of get happy feet and kind of start 
you know, there was that one fourth down play. Uh, I can't remember what, when it was in the game, honestly, but they couldn't convert. Um, Mahomes had all day. The pass protection was great on that play. And Mahomes, you could tell, was just not comfortable, kind of like moving around in the pocket instead of just staying calm and staying in a good throwing position. He was kind of, you know, really, really bad happy feet. And, and that's, I like the word for happy feet because I think it's, I think it's appropriate. And I think it kind of puts him off balance when he, when he gets too happy feet. And uh, it's been bad this year. It's, 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 been a, it's been a bad quality of the offense. And he makes up for it a lot of the time with his big arm. But when the coverage is good and you need to kind of, you know, stay in a good position to fire at any time when there is a quick window, Mahomes just hasn't really been uh, great at doing. I might argue with you there a little bit. I, I don't think the pass protection's been a big issue. They haven't given up a lot of sacks. There was two last night. Um, you know, I think I don't know that they've given up more than two in any game yet this season. You know, I know sacks aren't the only measure of that. I, I agree with you on sort of Mahomes' comfort level, and he's going to grow into that, or the, this line sort of going to grow into that together. Uh, I think the interior pass protection has been fine. Uh, they've been dominant run blocking on the interior and, and solid in pass protection. I think the tackles have been have been you know maybe not elite, maybe not where you'd want them to be, um, but not so much that it's a problem. This offense, remember, before this game was remarkably efficient. Uh, Mahomes is completing passes at, a, at an amazing clip. Uh, this this game was a was a disaster uh, for Mahomes in a lot of ways. And yes, he was uncomfortable in the pocket. But he also wasn't finding anybody open. So this is my transition to my next draft pick. Uh, so this is the ninth pick in the draft or my uh, fifth round pick. Uh, I'm going to go with the, the secondary receiving targets uh, just in general. Teams, obviously, we, we knew this was going to happen. We've said it all along. Teams are going to try to take away Kelsey. They're going to try to take away Tyreek Hill. And, and in general, maybe even Tyreek Hill above Kelsey because you want to make sure – that the Chiefs aren't just throwing bombs and getting, you know, 75-yard touchdowns on every play. They targeted Tyreek Hill 13 times yesterday, completed only seven of those passes. Targeted Kelsey 10 times, completed only six of those passes. That goes to the physical play of the defense, also how off-target Mahomes was. But then you look down the line at the rest of the receiving targets, and once again, you had Byron Pringle, two catches, uh, 11 yards. One of them was a touchdown, which is great. but uh, Josh Gordon, one catch, 11 yards. McCole Hardman actually had a, a little bit better game this week. Uh, he caught nine of his 12 targets, which has got to be a career high for him in targets for 76 yards. Again, nothing nothing big, but he, he moved the chains a little bit. But too many times I saw Mahomes drifting around the packet, looking uncomfortable, partially because there was not a soul to throw to. And, and something's got to give as far as guys getting open and finding ways and maybe they need to be schemed open. Maybe he's got to throw them open. Maybe he's got to trust them more and throw it to them when they're not open, but they're still not getting enough production uh, whenever teams take away the, the primary targets. Yeah. And I think it's telling that a game where McColl has nine catches for 76 yards and he does lead your team in receiving, you're still not that impressed with his performance. Um, he had a killer drop, uh, uh, a killer drop on that fourth down that actually they got bailed out on because it was a hold or a, a rough in the passer penalty. He alligator armed it a little bit. Yeah. And, and you're right. The secondary pass catchers, that was probably my next pick to be honest with you. Um, it just hasn't been, hasn't been enough. You know, you, you want to say Mahomes can elevate players to make them look better than they are. That's kind of what elite quarterbacks do, but at some point, it's got to be on the receivers to, you know, to make plays and, and guys like Robinson who see 75% of the snaps, but don't do anything 
pass catching anymore. That just shows you how little they they have at that position and why they brought Gordon up so quick. And I, I think that's very telling that they, they want to get Gordon involved in this offense as soon as possible because they need him, which is yeah, they, crazy. They didn't say, you know, they didn't say we're bringing Josh Gordon on and hopefully he helps us out a little bit here and there. They brought him on and said, we expect him to be a number two, number three receiver. You know, I mean, that's, that is more than what they normally would give you about a player's role with the team, especially a player who's been, you know, on the street, you know, not, not in the league, not active for a long time. Yeah. That, that should tell you all you need to know. Uh, they're obviously easing Gordon in, Gordon in a little bit. He didn't get a lot of snaps. He had the, just the one target and the one catch uh, this week. Uh, maybe that, that situation resolves itself a little bit. But, again, they're still not targeting the running backs in the pass game as much as I'd like to see it in a, in a planned way or in a schematic way as opposed to a panic. You know, uh, I think there were some checkdowns this week. Um, but I would like to see the screen game really get going like you know it can with this offensive line and with this coach and play caller. Uh, and you'd like to see some – some wheel routes and some some other stuff out of those running backs to to get them loose in space and see some of these other receivers find a way to get open and make some plays or or they're just going to get passed up uh, and and maybe Josh Gordon is an answer to that but it's just really really frustrating to see an offense that should be this good have one or two players taken away and and they can't they can't move the ball yeah exactly so before I get to my Next pick, I do want to applaud us for being smart football fans and watchers. None of it, neither of us have picked the run defense. That's I thought that was this huge problem, Stag. I thought this this was this huge thing that uh, we needed to correct and was the biggest issue with the team uh, for the through the first part of the season was the run defense. And uh, neither of us have picked them in this draft. I wonder why. Maybe it's because it's not actually that important compared to other issues on this team. Um, but the, the, my next pick does kind of have to do with it, the the run game on the defensive side of the ball. I'm picking the lack of athleticism in the linebacker group. Um, and I know, I know we saw Willie Gay finally. You know, I do want to say, hey, Willie Gay, as soon as he came in the game, all of a sudden the defense started getting stops. I don't know if uh, once they kind of started playing him in the second half a lot more, and uh, all of a sudden the defense looked a little better. So not trying to say it's exactly what it was, but I do think, you know, having Gay on the field a little bit so yeah lack of athleticism at the linebacker position is my pick though because Hitchens Neiman and Bolton look for whatever they do good you know whether it's Hitchens uh in in the run defense uh you know kind of stuffing a gap maybe Bolton Bolton has played well against the run I would say Neiman I I still don't know what he does great and actually I I did like the fact that it it seemed like the Chiefs did insert Hitchens in the dime roll last night uh, aside Sorensen in those dime packages uh, instead of Neiman, you know, usually they have Neiman in that role. So that kind of shows you that they are getting tired of Neiman in the dying position. And maybe that leads to Gay once he gets more into it. Maybe that's where Gay will play more instead of Hitchens. But maybe they just made the quick switch for that game. But I think I think the reason teams are able to quick pass so much and, and hit the flats and hit these end arounds is because the linebackers can't get sideline to sideline very well. And they're taking advantage of that. It's it's free plays for the offense, just getting a ball on the to the flat real quick. And, and it's turned into to big plays that they shouldn't be big plays. Linebackers should be able to catch those plays and make them two, three-yard gains instead of first-down conversions. Yeah. I think it's still, still a big problem. Yeah, I had Hitchens was going to be my next pick, so I think this is the right place to talk about the linebackers. We were excited about a slimmer, faster Anthony Hitchens, you know, uh, that was that was going to be more of a playmaker this year. There's going to be more of a factor. And, 
and he frankly has just has not been good. And and I see the linebackers guessing wrong a lot, um, and and they're not athletic enough to make up for it. Hope to see a lot more Willie Gay. Again, I'm even desperate enough to call for Dorian O'Daniel to get on the field some more. Um, last night with with Nick Bolton, I saw a few plays where he just can't change direction quick enough. So he can run a little bit, he can hit people, but but when he has to change direction, uh, guys can go right past him. And and I I think that happened in coverage, and it happened with Josh Allen uh, running past him last night. Frankly, when people want to talk about the Chiefs' draft picks and how the teams comprise. And you, you mentioned it earlier, maybe instead of drafting a Nick Bolton, maybe they could have taken a corner uh, or, or, or maybe even a receiver or somebody else that could have helped. Uh, you know, I, Nick Bolton was the draft pick that I was most concerned about from this draft. He was the one that was more of a head scratcher for me because he is more of the same uh, with what you see from the Chiefs uh, linebackers. And it's not necessarily what we want to see. I'm sure there's a plan there, but when we when we see Nick Bolton on the field, does some good things, makes some tackles. He had a tackle for loss or two last night, which is great. Led the team in tackles with six. Um, sure, that, that's good. But you know, it's it is more of the same with Hitchens and Bolton, I think, and that's it's not good enough. Yeah, we've made the comparison before. Bolton is 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 pretty pretty much Hitchens light a little bit. Um, he might be a little more athletic side to side, you know, and, and Hitchens probably has lost some in his age. You know, he's, he's kind of an older player at this point. Um, but yeah, I, I think the linebackers have been a huge issue. We all know it. I'm surprised it lasted so long, but I think that kind of shows you how bad <laughs> this team has played so far this year that, you know, one of the glaring holes that we all complain about every single week lasted till the what ninth pick in the draft or even 10th pick. I think that might've been the 10th pick. Um, <laughs> There's a lot still on the board, a lot of, right. you would call it talent in any other type of draft, but this is the doomsday draft. Again, we're picking the worst things about this Chiefs team or this Chiefs season so far. Um, I'm up next, and I'm going with, with uh, drops. And I know you talked about ball security, uh, but I'm going to be specific about uh, this team and, and, and how, they're, how they're not able to overcome when their receivers are dropping passes. And it's the strangest thing to me because it seems like, you know, one of those things that happens, right? The outcomes when you, when you pass the football there, that's why some coaches in the past talked about how there was more that can go wrong with passing the ball than running the ball, right? Because one of those outcomes is the receiver could drop the pass that everything else goes right. Quarterback delivers the ball, receiver doesn't catch it. But for some reason over the last couple of years, it seems like that's one thing the team is, is, more surprised by, more deflated or defeated by, and less able to overcome is when the receivers aren't catching the ball. And it's led directly to a number of Mahomes' interceptions this year. It's led directly to drives stalling and dying. Uh, it was a big part of the the early failures of the Super Bowl uh, th- this last February. And when the receivers are not catching the football, you know, it seems to just derail the entire offense we could have maybe even talked about this sooner than, than here in the, in the fifth round uh, or, the, or the sixth round of this draft. But uh, it's really frustrating uh, when even your, your best players, even the Tyreek Hills of the world, are dropping passes and it's leading to turnovers, it's ending drives, it's derailing what is otherwise should be an unstoppable offense. And when they say that they can, they're the only ones that can stop themselves, this is how they do it. Turnovers and drops. 
Yeah, exactly. I, I, I made that, you know, I made the drops point a little earlier too, but I think it's a, it's a great point. I just think this team for whatever reason is having a hard time hanging on to the ball, whether it be when they already have the ball or when they drop it. So it's a good point. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised this lasted long enough, but I do, I'm, 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 I'm glad this one dropped to the sixth round um, because I do think it, it's it's low on the list of uh, problems. But I'm going to go with the coach, the coaching staff, their strategies, their game plans. I just think it's it's it hasn't been good enough apparently, and 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 I I think this team is lacking talent at certain positions, like we've said. So you know, there's, I don't want to put it too much on the coaching staff, but making decisions like keeping Sorensen on the field for 100 percent of the snaps or on the offensive side of the ball just seems like they can't create big plays against uh these 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 really good defenses i mean the eagles are one thing which aren't a good defense hey good congratulations you made these big plays against them bills and the chargers both games they weren't really able to create big plays they were kind of just taking what the defense was giving them which is fine but man andy andy's supposed to be creating something down the field andy's supposed to be you know these cover two beaters there's there's things in the playbook we saw the bills run a cover two beater to get Sorensen on that huge pass so there's stuff that the offense and defense both aren't doing game plan wise and and it's cost this team a little bit of success and you'd like to see better improvement from the coaching staff get them in better positions can't argue with that i mean it's it's one of those things that's hard to to pinpoint uh exactly what they can do better but the the feeling is that they can do better scheming people open scheming something up being creative switching up the personnel you know something's got to change and you know the the players in some ways are what they are and so we'll, we'll see if, if the coaching staff can can turn this thing around. With my next pick, uh, I'm actually going to talk a little bit more about the defense. The the lack of big plays on the defense has been has been a huge issue because we, we alluded to it earlier. The Spagnolo defense is predicated upon these guys going out there. Maybe they'll give up some yards, but they'll make a game changing play. They haven't they haven't forced a turnover in three games. They haven't had, didn't have any sacks last night um, against. Uh, a team where that you should be able to get to the quarterback. Um, this defense needs to make some plays, and the, and really short of Tyron Matthews' triumphant return to the field and those two quick interceptions he had, they haven't done a lot. Nope, I, exactly. That's that's we made this point over and over. But man, Spagnuolo defenses need to make big plays, especially when you have the Patrick Mahomes led offense. You just need to get them the ball back sometimes, get some situational stops, timely stops, and they just haven't. So yeah, I, I think that's a good pick too. Um, is this the last? Are we going last? Is this last round? Is this? Is this? Uh, are we wrapping it up here? Last round. This this, this will be the Mister Irrelevant of the Doomsday Draft. So, who? What is the most irrelevant, relevant, negative thing that you can pick uh, about this team? So, I think this is actually a great uh, pick for the Mister Irrelevant because it's not a huge thing that I'm usually not going to be concerned about. But we're drafting, and it, it's on the board. I'm taking the lack of explosiveness from the running back group, the lack of big playability from the running back group. And Clyde is obviously involved in this, even though he just got hurt. But man, you, you see some of those holes, they were they were blowing up against the Chargers and Eagles. And to only get like 15 yards on some of those is actually kind of, uh, it is an indictment on the running back group. You know, we've seen running backs like, a, and I know they're way, you know, they're better players. So I don't, you know, definitely not trying to compare them, but like Kareem Hunt and, Jamal Charles make those big holes and turn them into 40 yard touchdown runs, not just the 15 yard and then get tackled by the first guy that comes in contact with it's we're, the, the offense is missing big playability from the running game right now. And, and even though, it, even if they're going to be an efficient rushing offense, they still need to be able to, to break some of those for big plays, big touchdown runs. 
a guy like Damian Williams could do it even more than, than we're seeing right now. And, and maybe Jarek's going to be that guy. Maybe Jarek gets more of an opportunity. Maybe Jarek can uh, break off some of those and turn them into long touchdown runs. I'm not banking on it um, because, you know, he is older and it has gone through injuries, so he might not be as explosive as he be. But, man, it, it, it has been a little bit of a problem this year, the lack of explosiveness, big plays. Yes, yeah, it's, it's only, you know, in some ways that's going to get worse with Clyde out. I mean, I know Clyde's not a huge big play guy, but – um, I, I don't anticipate Daryl Williams becoming all of a sudden a, a big play running back. Uh, I don't know that the Chiefs have anybody on the practice squad that's just going to blow people away. Um, Jerick McKinnon is probably your best hope there, and we'll see if they're able to get him involved and, and if he's able to reward them for doing so. Well, there's still some, some undrafted free agents on the board, uh, things like the Chiefs' inability to cover tight ends, their inability to tackle, uh, the too many penalties on offense and defense. I mean, there's a lot that we can talk about on the negative side, but I'm tired of that, frankly. I'm, I'm over it. I'm frustrated. This has been, you know, a, a, a difficult stretch to be a Chiefs fan. It was a long night last night watching this game, and then I had to personally write the winners and losers uh, article on arrowheadpride.com, which is always brutal to do uh, after a loss. So let's end this thing on the bright, on the bright side. Let's talk about some, some reasons for hope. Uh, what did you see last night or what do you have in reasons for optimism going forward? Let's, let's just try, just give me something here, Ron. Yeah, I think we've mentioned him a couple of times, but Rashad Fenton played well. Uh, he, he, he absolutely played a good game. And I do think as much as I don't think Ward is a difference maker or anything, getting Ward back. And, and I think they're going to start trusting Fenton to be the other starting cornerback, that group of Ward, Fenton and Sneed, you can talk yourself into and feel, and feel pretty good about, um, you know, and, and so Hughes and Baker don't have to be on the field. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of thought Fenton played pretty well. I'll let you take it away with your, with your, what you uh, have a bright side. Yeah, Fenton was pretty solid. And I, and I do think he's one of those guys on the field that you're not going to be, you're not going to be cursing his name, you know, when he's in the game. And, and that's, that's how I feel about Charverius Ward as well. Uh, those two guys give you some competence there, um, you know, and hopefully, Sneed and and frankly Tyron Matthew, who we haven't talked about a lot uh, at all, sort of get back to being our playmakers, um, the guys that make the exciting game changing plays. I'd like to see more from Matthew, other than sort of throwing his arms up in frustration when when Sorensen gets burned. You know, it's not not an indictment on him necessarily, but the hope is when this the rest of this group gets back to being right, that he can get back to really making some plays. So, um, yeah, Fenton was a little bit of a bright spot last night. Uh, a really minor bright spot again. The the one pass to Josh Gordon was a tremendous play by Mahomes. And what you hope to see from Gordon, what we thought, what is Gordon here to do? He's here to go up and get a jump ball. And that's exactly what they did on the one time that they targeted Josh Gordon last night. Uh, so that's a little bit of a, a little bit just a sliver uh, of sunshine there that Josh Gordon can be that jump ball uh, receiver that that you want him to be. Yeah, and you know, if actually if you watch that play, uh, they showed a good replay of it. He was open right away. If Mahomes would have been able to stay in the pocket and and go through his progressions and get to Gordon, he would have had a lot of space in front of him and, and catching with a catch and run. So that would have been kind of nice to see. But hey, like you said, it, it was a good catch either way. I'll also say, you know, uh, you know, McColl did have a good game. I think we got to give some credit to him for for being the most reliable pass catcher. Apparently, uh, nine catches. You know, uh, uh, nine catches, I think, on 12 targets, you said. So, you know, that, that's good to see. And they weren't all just gadget plays like I've kind of complained about with him. He was, you know, uh, working routes in the middle of the, the, middle of the field. And that was good. Uh, you know, also, we can say that, you know, Derek Naughty, 
Shout out Derek Naughty, our guy. Uh, run defense that was, was looking pretty good at times. You know, it's not like they were getting gashed against running backs like they haven't all year, really. It's been the quarterbacks, like you mentioned. Um, Naughty had a few run stops early. He actually, I want to say he had three or four. So that, that was good to see from Derek Naughty as well. What else you got? Yeah, um, Naughty was pretty solid. I mean, there was a couple of plays where, you know, you'd hope he'd, he could get off of a block a little bit better. But for the most part, he's been a pretty steady force on this Chiefs defense for a long time. And even when the team was getting gashed in the run um, without really reviewing it snap by snap, I was pretty sure that it wasn't Naughty that, that was getting getting destroyed. Um, a little bright spot from last night, Mahomes running the football. Typically in the past, we've said uh, a running Mahomes is a, is a good Mahomes. Um, he's He's able to create with his legs. Um, he had you don't want to see him being the team's leading rusher like he was yesterday very often he had 61 yards on eight carries including a 23 yard run last night but he was effective he moves the chains when he runs the football and it just gives teams one more thing they have to think about so sometimes when nothing else is going right and Mahomes is able to convert with his legs good things can happen yep Next one, shout out Harrison Butker. He's been perfect this year, and I got to jinx him. I got the wood table right here. I'm knocking on to to hopefully help against that. But yeah, he he made a great 54 yard field goal to, before half in the rain and, and a little bit of a win. So that was good to see. Got to give him some credit. You know, the special teams has has been eh uh, this year. They haven't really needed to be you know anything special. But uh, yeah. Good, good for Harrison Butker being perfect. Remember when everybody was worried about extra points and how that one <laughs> that one extra point is going to cost them a, a close football game? Uh, obviously, that hasn't really been the case at all. Uh, all the extra points in the world weren't going to help them last night. But, but yeah, seeing Butker remain perfect even in, in bad conditions uh, is, is encouraging. It's a small thing to hang your hat on there. I also thought a small thing the defense can hang their hat on is a little bit of progress in the second half. Yesterday, after the, the lightning delay, uh, they were able to sort of reset and come back, and they got uh, four straight stops, really. And, and that's, you know, we've said all along, all the defense really should have to do is get one or two stops, and the offense uh, should, should handle the rest. The defense arguably held up their end of the bargain, uh, at least in the second half. If you take away the pick six and you take away that, that – uh, uh, interception that was, you know, a, a baloney, you know, penalty on Frank Clark, all of a sudden you got a pretty good second half defensive performance. Yeah, exactly. No, the defense, how many times are we going to say this in these losses that we actually, you know, the defense actually kind of did what they needed to do. And the offense was the one that kind of, you know, didn't hold up their end of the bargain with Again, it's crazy to say, but, and the defense is getting healthier, you know, Frank Clark's back uh, and, obviously didn't play they're they're probably just giving him a little rest on the wrist it didn't seem like it's a multi-week thing it's like this big deal because he was playing with it before but maybe they just said hey you know what we'll sacrifice this game um to let him rest up on it because that's not something that's just going to get better by keeping you know continuing to play on it and you know ward should be back soon so hopefully the defense getting healthier is a bright spot here gay getting more into the defense and we'll, and we'll end with with uh the defense or the, the, the schedule in general, just getting a little easier. You know, they have played every single AFC contender pretty much um, so far, unless you think the Bengals are a true uh, AFC contender nope. besides the division rivals as well. So yeah, I, I do think the schedule is going to get a little easier. And so that'll help them kind of build confidence, get some wins. Hopefully, you know, there's no guarantees because uh, this team is not as, like I said, the elite team we kind of thought they were maybe. So there's no guarantees, but 
it will be nice to kind of have a you know against teams that maybe aren't as uh you know strong because they have been playing some strong teams yeah i think for the final point that i wanted to make was that in some ways there's we always talk about mean regression and how you get all this you know the ball bounces a certain way um you get all the good calls uh broken plays go your way uh, and you know turnover worthy plays if that's even a real thing uh, end up as turnovers um, this year, it seems like they've, the ball's bounced the wrong way and, and nothing has gone their way. They've gotten all the, the calls seem to have gone the other way. Uh, the Anything that could have been intercepted seems to have been intercepted. Uh, whenever there's a fumble and a loose ball, uh, it, uh, you've got your 360-pound offensive lineman flopping on it and not recovering the ball. So I'm going to say that maybe this is rock bottom for this team, that all things have lined up in a way – uh, that have, has led to a really bad outcome so far. And they're due for some mean regression in a positive way to say, you know what, everything that could go wrong did go wrong last night. That's not going to be the case forever. Uh, this team has the opportunity to, to, to start from scratch, if you will, go from here and this point in the season, put a, string a few wins together and all of a sudden put this in the rearview mirror. And, and all it's going to take is – uh, and, and this is a lot, but all it's going to take is Mahomes playing better, uh, the rest of the team getting healthier, the um, and then some of these breaks uh, going in the right direction. Yeah, and I know we've harped on the turnovers enough, but it is one thing that just in, in general in football terms, statistically, you know, teams do not turn over the ball as much as the Chiefs are, and and it has been a product of of bad ball security, all that. But that is something that in theory is correctable. And so that's that they're not going to have this rate of turnovers throughout the rest of the season. And just that alone will help them, you know, produce a little more, uh, not having freaking four turnovers in, in two of their first five games is just ridiculous. But yeah, I, I, I think that's a pretty good, uh, a, some pretty good bright sides, I would say, but definitely, definitely more negative than, than positive right now. And we got to We got to be able to admit that as you better. It, we're definitely squinting uh, to see the bright spots at this point and, and trying to find positive takeaways. We hashed out all the negative stuff. I thought it was appropriate for us to try to, to, to come up with at least something bright to leave you on this week. Uh, the chiefs are going to head into a stretch of the, the season here that, that should be more manageable for them. Um, hopefully they get a little bit healthier on defense and things start to turn, Mahomes is not going to stay down for long. That's one thing I'm pretty confident about. The rest of the stuff, we'll see. But thank you for spending the time with us and working through all of the issues that go along with with a really what feels like a, a long losing streak for the Chiefs. Um, Ron, and for everybody here at Arrowhead Pride, thanks for listening. Make sure you leave uh, rates and reviews or wherever you do that. Uh, join us next week on the Out of Structure Podcast, and don't miss the rest of the lineup. I'm sure you'll have plenty more opportunities to hear about what's gone wrong so far in this Chiefs season. Hopefully next week, let's talk about some more things going right, and we'll talk to you then.